Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the David and David on Real Estate podcast. And we have a very special guest today. We have uh, joining us Kate Tevez from the HR Pro. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us this morning, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, super excited for today's session because uh, HR is such a hot topic whenever it comes to growth and building out your team and, and running any successful business. So uh, we're super excited to have you with us today. For sure. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and hopefully uh, teach somebody something new. Okay, part of what you do in your role, we'll discuss everything, I guess, but I think my understanding, part of what you do is a little bit of headhunting, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. So that's a sort of my goal today. Actually. I'm looking. I'm looking to be headhunted as a lawyer. If you can find another firm, you know, for, that might want me, um, just keep that in mind as we as we go through. Okay. I got you. I got your back. Awesome. Well, listen. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my background is uh, in corporate HR. Um, I've worked in various different industries, starting from retail, of course, um, and then moved into more of a construction e-com industry, which has its own challenges. And then I decided to try my hand at uh, food manufacturing and HR uh, within that industry. And that was a lot of fun, actually. Um, My freezer has never been more filled with delicious goodies. And, um, but, you know, something about all of that didn't quite feel right. And, um, you know, my dad um, has been a real estate broker for about two decades now. And throughout my entire life, people have been telling me, you should go in real estate, you're going to be amazing at it, you've got the right personality, you know, you've got all the support and the knowledge in house, you should really try it. And I've heard it, I gosh, I don't even know if I had a penny for every time I heard it, I think I'd be rich by now. Um, But um, it wasn't really necessarily something that I was overly passionate about. And I think part of the reason was because I always saw it as a uh, sort of a, a, lone, um, a lone sport. Um, and I've never been exposed to the team aspect of real estate. Um, my dad's always worked by himself. And so, uh, you know, one day I had met somebody who was in the industry, who's a real estate coach actually. And um, we started talking and he said, well, you know, we really need somebody like you in this industry. And it was amazing because all of these sort of little puzzle pieces that I couldn't quite figure out by myself, um, you know, this person came into my life and it felt like somebody kind of just nudged the the table with all the puzzle pieces sitting on it. And all of a sudden it all made perfect sense. And so I decided to try my hand um, within, you know, within real estate and, and HR and brought some of the best practices from all of the other industries. Um, as well as the headhunting aspect, of course, and the recruitment aspect. And, um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And I, I really love it. I love working with entrepreneurs and, and small teams and building out those teams and brokerages, of course, as well. So that's a little bit about me. So are you focused entirely in the real estate industry now, or do you still do a little bit of the other stuff? Or Uh, My company focuses primarily on real estate uh, recruitment and HR. I mean, the odd time that we might take on a new project is because somebody, you know, somebody recommended us to a friend of theirs who runs a business, but we typically really try to stay on on course within real estate. So if I'm going to get recruited as a lawyer, it's going to be a one-off thing here. Yes, uh, but I I will do you a favor and we'll find you. All right. (laughs) Just keep it in mind. 
<laughs> Kate, you've obviously, you know, spent a lot of time and, you know, grew up um, alongside your dad and practicing real estate. Um, what have been some of the differences between watching your dad and the way your dad does business and, you know, kind of working with teams and then helping teams grow and scale up and add systems and, you know, add those missing uh, pieces to the puzzle that really helps them grow. Like, can you kind of talk to us about, you know, those two different worlds? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of uh, solopreneurs, um, my dad included, um, and that's not to any sort of, you know, a, a weakness or a detriment of their own. I think often they don't have a plan and that's what keeps them sort of running through the hamster wheel day in and day out, right? Um, they usually tend to plateau at a certain number of deals per year and they're not able to grow their business. And for somebody that might be a great thing, they have stability within their business, that's all they wanna do. They have great you know, client referrals or repeat business. Um, but then when we talk about things like <clears throat> teams and team structure, the big difference is that you need to have a structure in order to manage a team, to grow a team, to lead a team. Um, and so, you know, that relies on a lot of processes that have to be there. And my parents are both engineers by trade. Uh, you know, what, what I've learned from them is that you can't build a house without putting down the foundation first. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of solopreneurs are generally lacking. So that's that's kind of my take on that. And at what point should our agent really consider, you know, going down the path of building out a team? Well, I, I think at a point where they feel like they want to do more within their business, that they're capable of doing more within their business, but maybe are lacking the time or, like I said, the processes and the structures to be able to get there. So that's when usually we come in and, and we bring in a lot of, you know, the wealth of that knowledge to the table and be able to understand, articulate, strategize um, what their business needs and wants are going to be in the next couple of years and then put in all of those missing pieces. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know, starting a team, I think you have to be mentally prepared for, for the challenges that that's going to, uh, to bring to the table as well. And, uh, and you have to be ready to take on a more uh, leadership role. And there's a lot of preparation that takes place before that actually happens. Yeah, we've talked about that in, in prior podcasts, too, because, you know, part of what David and I do in these things, you know, we, we talk about certain issues that come up, you know, that are real estate related issues, but we also like try and look inside and talk about our own businesses and how and how we run them. And because and, and, it's those type of challenges that come up all the time, like how, do, you know, it's one thing to be a lawyer, one thing to, you know, to be a, an agent like David was and now be and now running a, a brokerage. It's another thing to try and lead other people, lead a, lead a team of people doing it and to learn to delegate and to learn and to get systems in and everything. And, and a lot of times I assume you're running into, you know, pretty strong personality types that might be successful agents on their own and doing it their own way and, and they're successful. And I guess, yeah, but if you're going to be a team leader, you can't do that. You've got to learn a whole new set of skills, right? Right. That's exactly it. You're absolutely right. It's a completely different skill set. And most people don't realize that, right? Just because you're amazing at sales doesn't mean that you're going to be amazing at leading. Uh, and I think the biggest challenge that 
um, solopreneurs have when they're starting a team is there's that ego, right? It gets in the way. It's sort of a, I don't have the time to teach you something. I'm just right. going to step in and do it myself. Easier um, to do it myself. Right. But the problem that that creates is you're always going to end up doing it yourself. And um, there's no point to have a team if you're not going to delegate and you're not going to manage and you're not going to sort of give up the reins a little bit. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, you know, when you bring in somebody new to the business, you also have fresh new ideas, um, right? You have a lot of um, uh, just a lot of energy and, and, you know, a second set of hands. And hopefully if you, if you bring the right person on board, they can be very, very, um, you know, incremental in, in, in terms of building your, your business as a whole. And I've seen a lot of that happen where, um, you know, in the first couple of months that we hire somebody for, for a realtor, like an admin assistant, for example, they're luck, reluctant to let go. They know that they need the help, but they're very reluctant to, to let the reins go. And once they do, and once we talk them through it and coach them through the leadership side uh, of the equation, you can kind of see them starting to step out of their business and actually strategize for the future and seeing what happens, you know, a year down the road, a year and a half down the road, when they start bringing in new agents and, you know, uh, rebranding their, their entire image and, and actually, you know, able to focus on how to make the business grow. It's quite incredible, but it is a process. And sometimes it's a painful one too. So. So that's an important part of your role, I guess, is, is, it's not just recruiting the next team members to help build that team, but it's it's dealing with the leader of the team to create to make them into a better leader, a better team leader, teaching them those skills and how to delegate and, and do that part of it. That's that's not easy, especially you're dealing with strong personality types. We do, and we're quite used to dealing with strong personality types. Uh, believe it or not, they're present in every single industry. Um, but the nice thing is, and something that I typically pride myself on, is sort of being that missing uh, communication piece between the new hire, whether they're an agent or an employee, and the leadership team. And so my transition usually isn't, a, here's an employee, I'm done, bye. Um, but I, I usually stay in touch with everybody and make sure that, you know, we transition that smoothly. And if there's any challenges that happen in the first couple of weeks or even a couple of months, I'm certainly happy to jump back in and address some of those and, and guide my, whether that's my client or, uh, or the employee on how we can tackle them together. And at the end of the day, make sure that we continue that very positive uh, work relationship. So. Sometimes it, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't always work out, right? But, but generally speaking, um, I, I think I think it's we've had a pretty high success rate with that. So, okay, let me ask you this question: What's the first step an agent should take um, when they want to grow their business? When they want to go from a sole entrepreneur to, you know, taking the next step, leveraging, building out a team. I think in my opinion, and that's just my opinion, of course, um, I think we need to analyze the business uh, first and foremost. I think that's something a lot of people don't do um, and to build out whether that's, you know, if you want to call it a business plan or a marketing plan um, or both of them. And there's lots of great um, analysis tools, right, for businesses. We've got the SWOT analysis, we've got the SOAR analysis, we've got the PESEL analysis. I mean, you can analyze it 
any which way you want, really. Um, but it's really important to go through that exercise. And it's something even I have learned for myself as an entrepreneur. It's important to sit down and write down your goals on paper, figure out your milestones, right? How many transactions am I doing right now? How many do I want to do next year? Um, and it can't just be, a, you know, a, a number. You have to figure out how you're going to increase that business. What are you willing to put in, whether that's, you know, new marketing strategy, uh, social media presence, you're going to start doing videos or have your own, I don't know, YouTube channel and things like that, right? So how are you going to draw in that extra business and then create those deadlines for yourself? So I think it's really important to have a plan and to follow the plan, but also to check in with the plan to see where you are in terms of that process, right? And if something isn't quite going your way, it's let's pivot. Let's not wait a year to sort of look at it in retrospect and analyze and, and realize that some of those steps weren't necessarily the right idea or the right plan or that you weren't able to keep up with it, but to instead, um, you know, analyze every month or every quarter and then pivot accordingly. So I, I think that really for me is step one. It's the foundational piece of, you know, this is what I want my business to be. Um, and then, of course, whether you're able to do that on your own or you need someone like me to step in and support with that, let's figure out what those missing pieces are, uh, what we need to bring on board first, and then, you know, what's step two and step three and step four and, and the hundred steps that you're going to take to get to your goal. Yeah, we found, you know, and I've sort of learned the hard way too in building our business. It, it's one thing to set goals and have a plan. And it's in some way that's an easier part. The harder part is implementation, like making sure you follow up in a reasonable time period. And I guess you have to set reasonable time periods too, because if you don't right off the go, you're not going to meet them and you're just getting frustrated, right? But it's one thing to have a plan and, then, and the other is to actually follow up and make sure you implement everything that's in the plan. And, and so do you chase people down as well, like with reminders and I you know chase maybe is not the right word, but, but you're, you're still after the plan is there, like you're not done, you still, you're following up to get, make sure the implementation part gets done. Yeah, it depends on what my clients really need and want. Some of them, you know, don't mind me kind of taking a more passive role and, and just following up every once in a while. But typically I do follow up with my clients just to make sure that everything's still on track, that their employees doing well, if there's anything else that I can support. Um, if somebody wants me to be more involved with their business, I'm certainly happy to do that and to create more of a strategy for them. Um, and then maybe be a little bit of a, a security guard to those, uh, <laughs> to those milestones and make sure that we're enforcing them. That's, uh, that's, that's amazing. I, I honestly look at your position more as a growth coach than, than really an HR person, right? Because it really starts with, you know, making the decision to kind of scale and grow your business and then putting in those extra pieces, but you can't do it on your own. No. You know, you need a really good team of people around you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And there's there's amazing specialists out there in all kinds of different industries, right? So there's there's companies that focus on the operational processes. There's, you know, myself who focuses on all, more of the policies and procedures and then all of the missing pieces for that. There, there's, there's so much, uh, there's so many resources out there right now to 
to help a company grow. And I, I think we stubbornly often think that we can do it all by ourselves and that we don't need any support. And sometimes we, we do and we need somebody to come in and analyze the business, look at it from sort of from the outside um, and push us a little bit in the right direction as well. So, and I think that goes for all entrepreneurs who are just starting out. Uh, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's already been invented. So there, there's really no need to do everything by yourself. So Kate, I assume you've had to, you know, take your own medicine, so to speak, like, you know, you've got your own experience, your own expertise, and then you, and you start up and you build a company, right? Your own company. So you can't do it all. You can't be everywhere. You've had to go through a similar process, I assume, to, to build your own business. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. And I've been a part of a lot of different networking groups that focus on entrepreneurs. And I've learned a tremendous amount of, you know, information in general and have connected with many different resources that helped me along the way, helped me build a strategy, helped me with, you know, things like, for example, bookkeeping, which I'm terrible at, by the way, um, and, um, you know, social media, right? So again, I tried doing everything by myself and I, I felt extremely overwhelmed. Uh, because I don't know everything and I have to rely on other people to help me. And just the amount of, I think, positive sort of feedback, reinforcement and support that I've gotten has been incredibly powerful for me. And that's why I urge others to do the same. You don't need to tackle everything by yourself. But you're absolutely right, David. I mean, it, it hasn't been a, an easy experience. Um, it, it definitely had its challenges. And I did have to take my own medicine quite a few times, um, starting from writing that business plan, which wasn't easy. It was a painstaking, boring exercise. Um, but it's, it's, it's quite important for me now when I look back at it, because I, I realized that maybe some of those milestones were a little bit not as aggressive as they should have been and maybe they're too easy um so i i aim on i aim a little bit higher next year yeah and then you you got to review it once in a while you got to sit down and see are you are you on track do you have to reset some of these goals or milestones you know what's the next step or or i guess even after you built it at some point you could get to that plateau and say okay this is i'm good with this let's just keep this going it doesn't have to keep growing necessarily right so I guess you, in any business, you got to decide if that's what you want to do or you want to continue to, to be in a growth mode. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, it's not always an easy decision either, right? There's a lot of external factors that are going on. And again, it's about whether or not you're ready to take on that leadership role versus doing the day-to-day -day all by yourself all the time, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. and that should be a decision that you definitely think through. It's not something that you wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hire a whole bunch of people today and we're going to figure this out. It's again, going back to those foundational steps is, you know, what am I missing potentially <clears throat> as a leader? What skills do I still need to develop before I bring anybody on board? Will I be willing to dedicate the time to that person, to train them, to coach them, to keep them on track and keep myself on track at the same time? And then what happens if I don't, right? Am I bringing on the right person, expecting them to just, you know, to just function very well on their own after the first month? What are my expectations? And I need to be able to articulate that to somebody very clearly as well, right? Which is one of the other things that I find um, some of my clients struggle with is that they're not able to, um, to put down on paper exactly what it is that they want this person to be doing and what the expectations are, what those KPIs are, right? So those key performance indicators, how do we 
How do we measure them? How do we enforce them? And once you are able to articulate all of these things to the right person uh, and to yourself, hopefully the business will, will run fairly smoothly. And that's not to say, I mean, we, we all know it doesn't, it doesn't run smoothly all the time. There's always challenges and we continue learning from them. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I, I think it's, it's about preparation really for me and, and about the decision to become a leader or to continue doing what I'm doing. So, and very different, very different approaches, very different skill sets, and hopefully I'll figure it out soon. I can say as a business owner, um, having the right people in place is probably the single uh, most important determination of success in business. And I can honestly say that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, people make the biggest difference in your business as well. You know, and having the right people in the right position looking after your business and helping you grow and scale um, is monumentally important, right? And I think for agents, it, it's so hard to, um, you know, let go and, and transition from being a sole entrepreneur to, you know, building out a team and actually having a business. And sometimes it's not even about building out a team. Sometimes it's also, you know, a support structure around them that, you know, frees them up from working in their business to working on their business. And those are two very different things, you know, business development and, you know, sort of higher vision and, you know, going out there and, and networking and bringing in new business and, and, and going after referrals and, and trying to grow your business as opposed to, you know, working in your business, getting, you know, bought down on paperwork and on accounting and, you know, the medial things that really don't translate, uh, translate to a huge ROI. Um, you know, it, it's difficult to scale and grow your business when that's all you're really focusing on, right? So as a business owner, I can say that having the right people in place um, and recruiting and, and always being on the lookout for the next AAA person that will, be, that will fit into your organization is so important. And I remember watching a Harvard lecture once um, and they had a guest speaker. They had the CEO of Stripe. Um, with them and they were talking how they scaled the company in a matter of like I think it was like six months how they went from 300 employees to like 700 employees and just hearing how they were able to scale and hire 300 people and fit them into their organization and you know talk about culture and talk about like you know finding the next amazing uh, developer and taking them away from Google and, you know, how they're able to recruit, how they're able to hand hunt and how, you know, that next senior engineer coming on the team made such a big difference. You know, really put it all into perspective when it comes to people in my business and how we need to get the right staff in the right positions to really be able to leverage and, and, and grow your business and kind of let go and, and watch the people kind of take your business to the next level. And it's, it's not an easy process, but I feel like our industry needs more of that because we, you know, I love our industry and I think we all do because, you know, we're in it. And I want to see agents level up and, and really be successful, but it's so hard without that key component. 100%. I, I think I, I totally agree with you. I think people are paramount in the success of your business. Um, and I think probably one of the, the things that we look for when we're recruiting for somebody, especially knowing that 
you know, this, this particular team leader or this person who's starting a team uh, is looking to grow and where they're going, what their goals are in their business. One of the things that we look for is definitely passion for the industry, but also the desire to grow within their own career path, right? So whether we hire that first admin assistant who, you know, who's just starting out, maybe they might have done the role for a couple of years with another agent or a brokerage um, and where they want to go and, and seeing people go from, from that role into, you know, executive uh, type roles and then becoming more of a manager, right? Or a director of operations who manages multiple admin assistants, licensed, unlicensed, social media, stagers, videographers, you know, the, the, the world is their oyster. And, um, finding those people that that can clearly express their own growth trajectory is extremely important right and aligning those with our client um, so I, I do agree and I think it's fascinating how quickly you can scale a business while having the right people in place um, the, the having the right people in place is definitely the key aspect of that and and being able to give them the opportunities as well right taking in their ideas taking in their suggestions uh, being able to to, like we talked about, giving up a little bit of control to be able to let them run the show eventually. Yeah, I think that that's really important, Kate. One thing you mentioned that I really want to pick up on, because you know, just internalizing this from you know from my own viewpoint, what I've gone through. One of the key things is when you're going to hire that next person, is you making the commitment that you're going to help them and train them and spend the time. Because originally, you say, oh, I need somebody to help me. And that way I can have more time to do other stuff, whether it's business or personal or pleasure, but it doesn't work that way. You've, you've got to invest additionally, you're gonna spend more time when you hire the, that next person initially, because you have to make that commitment to them to help them, to train them. And we've certainly gone through that in our firm. Like I was so reluctant to hire the next lawyer until I got to the point where I'm committed, I'm gonna spend the time with, with that lawyer, like to help train them, right? It, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. I think it's the same commitment. That's part of the leadership that you have to be prepared to do. Otherwise that person's not gonna succeed. 100%, not only will they likely not succeed, they probably won't stay with you for very long, right? Because they don't feel the support. I mean, it, it's any relationship, business relationship, it's a two-way street, right? So when we talk about things like having somebody allocate the time to train, to invest, to support this person in their career growth, uh, to understand what that looks like, to be able to give them either coaching, mentorship, or to put them on the right path and connect them with the right people, I think is extremely important. Because at the end of the day, David, when, when we hire people, and you know, David's watched my interviews, it's, it's a little bit of a blend of you know, uh, HR, recruitment, it's a little bit of salesmanship as well, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sell my clients to the candidate as well. I want right. to tell them about how incredible my client is, because at the end of the day, there are a lot of people hiring. A lot of people are looking for help, whether you're looking for a realtor, a lawyer, uh, or anything else for that matter. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities for the right people, especially those who are good at what they do. Uh, and so, and it's often not even about the money. It's not about the salary that we're offering. Uh, it's about what my client has to offer to that person, right? So, um, so it's definitely, I think, extremely important to not only be able to allocate the time, but to also maintain that relationship uh, as it goes through hopefully many years and be able to support that person within their own career path, hopefully inside your business unit. 
it's almost like you have to take a step back, right? And put on a different hat. Uh, but I think that support that you offer to the person that you hire, you know, you kind of teach them um, what the expectations are, how you do your business, you kind of teach them the culture, right? Um, I think that's a really, really important process. And I think the more you invest in their success, the more successful you're going to get, right? I always say that the job of a leader is to create more leaders. The more leaders you create, the, the more successful you're going to be because, you know, people push you, uh, people push you up from, from the bottom. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. And, and again, seeing that in, in practice and seeing so many wonderful companies grow so quickly while having, while having invested in their people, continuing to invest in their people um, and, uh, you know, and to, to grow very, very quickly and, and gain more business, right? So I do agree with you on that. <clears throat> I think I think also, you know, it, sort of to contradict you a little bit, I do think it's important to create a lot of leaders within your organization, but we also have to make sure that we have the people that are doing the work, not necessarily leading, right? Because then you run into other problems, <clears throat> which I've also seen in practice as well, where everyone's a leader and there's nobody to do the work. So it's sort of a, you know, whose job is that anyways? Um, so we do want to make sure that we're creating, I think, layers of leadership. Um, and what we call an HR a succession plan eventually, right? So if somebody leaves, we have somebody that we can push up the ladder and, and make sure that the business doesn't slow down as a result of that person, you know, retiring or moving on to somewhere else. Yeah, and, and those type of people can have an important role in any business too. Like not everybody wants to become the next superstar in a business or the next leader of another team or the next even manager to manage even one other person but they might be really happy doing certain grunt work for lack of a better term and I think in, in all of our business we need some people that are just prepared to come every day put their head down and just do the grunt work and if that's all they want to do that's fine if they want to go to another level then make that available to them but there's nothing wrong with having some people that are just no just throw that at me. I'm happy. Leave me alone. Send it to me. And I'm happy to do that. So there's nothing wrong with that. So I guess you look for those type of characteristics when you're doing your recruiting, right? Saying this is, this person can do your grunt work, but they're probably not going to grow into something else, but right. still could be a very useful person to have on your team. Absolutely. And a lot of my clients don't necessarily want any aggressive growth within their business. They really just need some support on a day-to-day -day basis, right? That's why we hire a lot of admin assistants. And some, some, some of the things that my clients say to me is, I'm not able to offer the growth that somebody is looking for, you know, at the start of their career. I want somebody who's a little bit more settled. They just want stability. They know what they're doing. You know, they're happy doing it. Um, and that is all that we want. And so, so I think it's, it's definitely important for me to understand, you know, the needs of the client and, and what their goals are in the next couple of years so that I can align them with the right candidate when I'm interviewing. So um, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, we don't, we don't necessarily need everybody to be on this hyper, uh, hyper aggressive career path either. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you one issue I have with, with people in your business, if we can talk frankly here for a second. When, when we hire in our firm, I, like my attitude is I'm, I'm hiring for life. I don't care if it's an admin assistant, if it's a bookkeeper, if it's 
receptionist or it's a lawyer or law clerk, doesn't matter. If like my attitude is whoever's coming on, whoever I'm going to meet, like I want to hire them for life. And I tell them that, like, I'm not hiring you for two years and they're going to replace you or, or, you know, or you just put our firm on your resume and jump ship. I'm hiring you for life. Like, I really want that. You know, you never, you know, you're not going to get that, but that's the attitude I take. And, and we hire and we train and we make that commitment. And then we have people in your industry trying to steal our people all the time. <laughs> well, listen, you're a great law firm. So I think that, you know, speaks really highly to, you know, how you guys uh, run yourselves. But I mean, I think you're going to get that in, in any industry, right? I think you're going to get that in, in, you know, on the brokerage level and in, in real estate. I think you're going to get that on the high executive level, you know, people, people are valuable, right? And having the right people in place and always looking for that next person is, is, is really important. Um, and then the job market, I mean, Kate, you can speak to this, but the job, mar job market right now is extremely competitive. Very competitive. And David, I must apologize. There are people in my industry that do exactly that. Um, <laughs> I certainly do that within the real estate world as well. <clears throat> but <clears throat> at the end of the day, hey, hey, I'm trying to do know. it too. When we're right. looking for someone, I tell all our staff, if you know anybody that's good at another firm, let's steal them. Let's try and recruit them. Like I'm, like right. I'm, not, I'm not saying we're innocent in it. Everybody's doing it. How do we fend it off? Well, I think by keeping the employees happy, obviously, when with regards to compensation, with regards to corporate culture and things like that. I mean, for every hundred emails that I will send out trying to poach the candidate that meets my requirement, probably 90 of them are going to be no's, right? Um, it's people saying, no, I'm happy where I am. I'm not looking for a career change or a company change. And that to me is a great example of obviously leadership doing a lot of great things and within that, that company. So um, and then, you know, the, the, the 10 out of the 100 might say, I'm, I'm interested in hearing more. I'm not necessarily jumping ship tomorrow. I'm open to a conversation. And sometimes, again, depending on my uh, salesman uh, skills, I might be able to sell my client just enough for them to be able to have, a, you know, the next level of the interview. And then it's a little bit out of my hands. But at the end of the day, I think the majority of people, um, in my experience at least, aren't necessarily looking to move or to shift, but but from a leadership standpoint, I, I think again it's about offering them you know growth opportunities if that's what they're looking for, or stability if that's what they're looking for, uh, being able to to be you know highly competitive on the market in terms of salary. Just having a great reputation alone is is a huge um, huge aspect of why somebody may want to stay or 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 not, right? Um, and, and I've seen that quite quite a few times where it's you know my, my my, my culture seems to be okay, but you know, there's some weird things going on. Management's not being fully transparent. We're not really sure what the direction is. There seems to be a lot of changes, but no one's communicating to us. I don't feel like I have any job stability. Therefore, you know, I, I'm going to, to move on to the next steps of this interview and see what else is out there for me. And so I think management definitely has to, leadership management, uh, ownership has to really take on a lot of the responsibility if they have a, a high turnover rate within the company. So. And like you said, like it's really competitive out there right now. Uh, you know, people have many opportunities, but are you finding that that people's needs and wants have changed over the last couple of years? 
like what used to be their priorities have now shifted in what they're looking for? 100%. Uh, I mean, more and more, I'm, I'm hearing people request for, you know, a hybrid uh, work environment, for example, right? They've gotten so used to working from home during COVID, it's challenging to get back to the office. Uh, I mean, people have issues with childcare sometimes, right? Um, there's so many different changes happening right now with regards to, you know, childcare, the, the uh, daycare subsidies and things like that, right? So that's becoming a more uh, difficult place to get your kids into. So, <clears throat> um, and just the cost of living going up, the cost of gas, obviously, right? Nobody wants to drive from Scarborough to Toronto every day. So that is what I'm what I'm seeing a lot of. Um, so people either working for fully remote or hybrid positions. Um, and again, I think at from a leadership standpoint, we have to be prepared for that as well. That's a completely different management style, right? Um, one that we might not be prepared for ourselves um, because we've never had to manage anybody remotely. So, so it's definitely interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's it's uh, it's unique to not unique, sorry, to the to the law industry as well, right? It's there's been so many different changes due to COVID and how I'm sure you guys had to pivot that as well. So, to look, I'm I'm at home right now been here for the most part for the last two years and we're going through that like oh is it time to get everybody back to the office we had everybody working remotely and rotating in but now things are opening up a little bit should we get people back in and we get some pushback and my initial attitude is okay everybody back to the office everybody go back in i'm staying home everybody else go in you know but you can't do that you know you have to everybody's you know live through a different two years sort of a unique two-year period and we have to find that uh, find that balance yeah absolutely i think we've gotten many of us have gotten used to working from home i think i would be challenged to to have to go back to the office even if i had an office um to work <laughs> out of um and it's it's you know talking to people even that just live down the street from me uh, you know that are that are married for example and the husband staying home for the next two years his company had officially made a statement that no one's going back to the office unless, you know, the office is still there, but unless they have a, an important meeting to attend, they're staying home. And then the wife has to, you know, the wife's company decided to fully get back to the office. So they're struggling with that because we all had to adjust from the beginning. And it wasn't an easy adjustment where, you know, potentially both partners are working from home, right? You can, you've got your office upstairs, I've got my office in the basement or vice versa. And, and we, you get into the routine of, you know, who's doing what, who's, taking care of things. And, and so, uh, and I think to me also as, as a parent of, of two small children, it's important for me to be home during certain times. And we've all gotten so accustomed to be here, to be able to pick up our kids from school, to drop them off, to be here during dinner time, which before was completely unheard of, right? So uh, that would be a huge adjustment for everybody, I think in any industry. So we have to be cognizant of that. We have to be flexible, I believe as leaders. Yeah, the, the nice thing for people that are real estate agents, you know, one of the advantages, it's never been a nine to five type of position. But it's a 24-7. It's a 24-7. That's the disadvantage, right? It's not a nine to five, but you've got to be available when you got to be available. So you can structure your time sometimes to go pick up your kids from school and to deal with daycare and things like that. On the other hand, the downside, you, you know, you got to tuck them in at night if you're lucky because you got to run out and, and work for the next three hours after they go to bed. So you've got that given to, but at least an industry where, where there are, there is some flexibility because they're not generally a nine to five position other than 
the administrative type of people like, like David's got a bunch in his office that you know that are that are some nine to fivers right but a lot of industries you know don't have that type of built-in flexibility so they those people I think really struggle when you say okay yeah you're nine to five and you've got to work from home well how do I run out at three o'clock to pick up my kid from school or from daycare because I'm supposed to be working for the next two hours so you've got to figure that out yeah, and I've seen I've seen it work out really well actually for for some uh, positions where even the in the administrative world where it's you know yes your typical schedule will be would be nine to five but you know in in this day and age I don't necessarily need support from you know from three to four so why don't you take that hour off and then pick up you know additional work from from five to six or from right. eight to Make nine or later. whenever else I need support right right and I think that's a, a real big change that's happened because. You know, we went through decades here where, where there was, you know, people liked working nine to five. They would like the idea that five o'clock done, goodbye, punching out, I'm going home. I don't have to think about it. And now it's like, no, no, I might have to take off an hour and a half or two hours in the middle of the day. I'd like more flexibility. So if I have to get the kids to bed and then work again for another hour or two, that's better for my lifestyle than to just work nine to five and then call it a day. Right. So like there's really been a significant change in how Canadians work. Absolutely. And it's particularly interesting for fully remote roles. And I know a lot of my, <clears throat> a lot of my clients are hesitant to hire somebody who's fully remote because they go, well, Kate, how do I know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? <clears throat> and my answer is, well, is your work getting done, right? right? You've done the work, you know exactly how much time it takes. So if you're giving them a certain set of, you know, a list of responsibilities, a checklist of things that they need to complete, is that checklist done? That's all you need to know whether or not they decided to throw in a load of laundry or, you know, have a have an extra coffee break or whatever, whatever they decided to do plan for their kid's birthday party is your stuff done. Right. And as long as that list is complete, at the end of the day, they could be <clears throat> incredible at managing their time and, and and might be able to get things done a little bit quicker than than you yourself um, were able to. But as long as the duties are completed, um, you know, maybe request them to have a little a daily summary report submitted at the end of the day so that they can you can see what they <clears throat> what else they worked on <clears throat> excuse me uh and um uh, what their you know what their plan is to work on on the next day and things like that and maybe you can add to that to that list <clears throat> as long as things are getting done and, and orders are being executed I, I don't really i don't really see an issue with any sort of remote work I, I think communication is so important. And I think, you know, setting proper KPIs and, you know, I, I think culture is really hard to manage remotely, but it's something that people really have to pay attention to. Um, and, and, you know, you have to have work blocks where everybody kind of works together, not just touch points, but I feel like that's really important in the, uh, you know, when it comes to working remotely is just keeping the team connected, right? But I think technology is doing a great job at that. I mean, we have Microsoft Teams, we have Slack, we have Zoom, we have, um, you know, a, a lot of these technological pieces that just make it so easy to integrate and to communicate and to be in touch and to, you know, kind of keep that culture going and keep everybody engaged and on the same page now more than ever. Like, you know, so what that people are not in the office, but the communication is flowing so well that everybody kind of knows what everybody else is up to, uh, what's expected of them, you know, um, 
what's happening tomorrow and and it all can be put together in, in a very structured and cohesive way and uh, um, I completely agree with David Corman I think Canadians are working a completely different set of um, structure but it's working really well and I know David your your company has almost tripled in size in the last three years yeah, probably a little bit longer than that, but yeah, but a lot of growth in the last few years. And and I was probably the biggest obstacle to growth for a long time because it, it took me to say, yeah, you know, I can't do this myself anymore. And I've got to commit to other people and then trust them that, you know, and part of the key, Kate, is hiring the right people. Like you want to hire, you've got to hire the winning team. Like how do you recruit the winning team? And, you know, and that's not an easy process because the better the... The, the people that we hire, the more I feel I can invest in them and train them and want to train them and make them into lifers and make them feel part of the firm. Like I'm hiring you to take, you got the job, take the firm to a whole different level. You know, it's going to be your firm, not my firm. It's your firm, you know, to, to have that attitude go to them. And then, and if, they, if they're the right people, then you feel like, oh yeah, I'm going to help this person. I'll, I'll invest them. I'll spend the time and everything right? It's not an easy process to go through, but how do you, how do you hire the right winning people build to build the team? Well, I think first and foremost, in my experience, it's about understanding the different personalities that are already there, because what might sound like the right person to you might sound very differently to me. And what I mean by that is you, David, can give me a set of, you know, a list of qualities that you're looking for, things that you want this person to have. And I can find this person. Um, but if that person doesn't feel like they're the right fit within the corporate culture, and there's too many personalities that are, you know, maybe clashing with theirs, there's, uh, because of that, there's sometimes a lack of communication, right? If you don't like somebody uh, who's coming in, somebody who's new, you're not necessarily going to be very forthcoming with information that might be very useful to them. Um, and, uh, and that person will eventually end up leaving, or at the very least, end up getting very demotivated, right? So, so it's, first and foremost, understanding what's already there, not just in terms of the structure, but, but in terms of the personalities and how this person would fit in. What, what type of personality do we want them to be in order to take it to the next level, right? Because you might, you might be bringing in this amazing new person and you have these expectations that they're going to keep growing your business and maybe even take over your business at one point. But there might be somebody on your team who might have similar plans and you, you don't know about that, right? So, so this new individual uh, starts uh, their role and immediately there's clashes because they're, you know, they're ready to go, they're pumped, they really want to tackle this new challenge. And, uh, and then you have somebody who's already an existing employee who, who you know, basically goes, well, not so fast, new guy, uh, right? Um, I'm not going to let that happen. That job is supposed to be mine. Um, right. So again, going right. back to the whole communication part, right? And, uh, and giving people the opportunity to grow, uh, articulating where you want the company to go, but not necessarily committing to any one particular person with regards to, you know, this is something that's promised to you in a sense, right? Uh, but in terms of how we identify, I think those those winning uh, personalities and, and those winning people, again, is by getting to know our clients, analyzing what's already there, understanding what sort of individuals we're dealing with, um, and understanding what maybe some of the existing 
employees and what their career goals are, right? And how we can put this whole entire puzzle together and then finding people who are passionate about the industry and passionate about their growth within that industry. Yeah, and, and I guess that's a tough thing to deal with where you need your expertise in, in dealing with what's going on internally because every time someone's hired, they could be a threat to somebody else, right? Like everybody sort of understands their, their pecking order to some degree or thinks what their pecking order and thinks what their future is and someone gets hired and it's like, okay, is this person gonna actually help me? Are they gonna be working under me? Are they working side by side with me? Are they gonna be too good and they might pass me? Because I'm number two, are we hiring number three or are we hiring a replacement for me as number two that I'm going to train? And they're going to, you know, you know, that's a, a delicate balance too, right? So you got to understand who who's already there, number one and number two, and what the pecking order is and how the next person is going to fit in. Uh, 100%. And, and, I, and I think here's, you know, here's the challenge is that your staff won't necessarily disclose all this information to you as a leader. It, it's sometimes easier to come in as a third party because they might be a little bit more, uh, more transparent with the information, with what their intentions are, with maybe what some of their grievances are as well with, with you as a, as a leadership uh, right. team, um, you know, and, and, and what some of the challenges are that they're experiencing. So I can definitely filter that to my client as well and help them understand their areas of opportunity. Um, <clears throat> and then to address sort of the second half of that point, I think organizational charts are extremely important. Building out a visual representation of, you know, who's who, who reports to whom. Um, and if we do have a, you know, a career ladder or a succession plan, um, it, it is also clearly visualized in this organizational chart so people can understand how many steps they need to take in order to get to a certain level and how many other people are in the same category vying for the exact same spot potentially. Yeah, you know, David and I always like to relate everything to sports because <laughs> because that's sort of our, our backgrounds. And, um, and I, I look at it this, the same way, you know, trying to build a team is no different than, you know, than the Toronto Maple Leafs trying to build a hockey team. You know, you've got Marner and Matthews, you've got two stars, but you need a third guy to play with them. And you don't need another star there, but you need someone that's going to do a lot of the grunt work, a lot of the hard work in the corners, take the hits, make the hard plays, go to the front, you know, little things that sometimes go unnoticed, but but the success of the two stars won't be there unless they got that third guy doing their role. So you got to hire, you know, it's a whole different mindset. How do you find that third guy? You know, same thing with defensemen. You got one guy that's really good moving the puck, but you need another guy that stay at home that'll complement him, right? So I look at the same thing in our industries, like how do we fill those holes? How, so we got to get someone like you to help recruit the right person, the right fit, for the team in the right role. Yeah, I, absolutely, one hundred percent. I I like the sports analogy. I, I often think of it from from a soccer standpoint, where you know where everybody plays on their own teams, and then during World Cup they come together and they have to practice for a while because they're all sort of superstars um, right. in their own right, but they have no idea how to play as a team. Right. So uh, you need somebody to kind of direct them to to articulate some of their strengths, some of their areas of opportunity uh, and to guide them. Uh, and, and that's where a lot of, you know, the, the leadership, the coach, uh, right, the, uh, or the captain, I guess, um, will come in and, and be able to to uh, to articulate 
who's doing what essentially on that team, right? And whose responsibility right. is is to you know to pass the ball or to pass the puck or whatever the case may be. So, um, <clears throat> um, but I, I think even coaches and leadership, obviously, they do their homework, right? They analyze each player, they analyze previous games, and I think that's a lot of what we need to do as well. I think people leadership often goes by the gut feel, right? Or I like this person or I don't like this person in an interview. And there's so much more to it. It's it's not necessarily about, you know, finding your new best friend. It's about finding a reliable worker that that can do the, the grunt works to your point, right? So um, so there's tools and, and analytics behind everything that we typically do. Um, but we we do try to always find a good fit in terms of the, the corporate culture as well to make sure that everybody has uh, all of our clients have have a, a long-term employee as opposed to somebody who's just there to, you know, to put your company's name on their resume and move on. I know we're running low on time, but uh, I, I wanted to quickly get into this, uh, this next aspect as well. And that is the idea of actually really niching down um, and then really focusing on a niche to really help your business grow. And um, this is an area of opportunity for realtors, I find, but for, for any business owners out there, right? Because, um, you know, Kate, you could have been a recruiter for any industry. You know, you could have yeah. just said, hey, I'm a recruiter and you know, come to me and I'll recruit for you, right? Yeah. But choosing the real estate industry was, you know, a, a niche market that you really focused on and specialized on. Right. And I find that when business owners niche down, right, it's so much easier to have a very consistent marketing message to focus, to align your brand and, and to really be able to go after business. And, and that's where we see a lot of business owners being able to scale up really quickly. Right. Because they know who their target audience is. They know what their marketing message is. They know what they have to do. Right. And, and they they're considered almost like an expert in the industry. So they're very sought after as well. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I, I do think it's important to, to have a very clear and concise message to your potential clients um, and to be able to to clearly explain what it is that you do and how you can help that, you know, whether it's a specific demographic or a language group or you know, whatever that something is that makes you unique to that particular market uh, is very important. And, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. It, it was the same thing for me in my business. Uh, recruitment, uh, well, it's not really rocket science, right? Um, <clears throat> probably similar to real estate. And, and there are so many recruiters and so many real estate agents and so many lawyers. Um, <clears throat> but the more focused you are, I think, on a specific industry or specific clientele, it does, it does certainly help market um, the business to, to, a very, to a very specific audience, um, which in turn creates a lot of referral within that specific audience as well, right? <clears throat> That's definitely helped my business a lot. And this is one of those aspects I wish we saw more in, in the real estate industry when, when it comes to agents, right? An agent gets their license and they become a general practitioner. You know, they're, hey, I'll, I'll help you with, you know, I'll, I'll sell a house in Oakville, I'll sell a house in Saga, I'll do this, I'll do that. But, I, you know, this the ultra successful agents will really pick a niche. Like, hey, I help, I work with people who are going through a divorce. 
you know, if you're going through a divorce or if you're thinking about going down that path, come talk to me. I'll take you through the motions and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you with that aspect, right? Or, hey, I, I, I work with, you know, single mothers or, or single fathers, you know, or, hey, I can, you know, niching can be a, a certain neighborhood, right? Or a certain age bracket, or I help, you know, I work with lawyers and, um, you know, with high profile network uh, individuals and I help them, you know, transition into the next neighborhood, whatever that is. But I, I feel like if you do specialize in the real estate industry as an agent, it's so much easier to market. It's so much easier to really focus the, the marketing message and, 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 and to really scale and grow your business. So this is one one area that uh, you know I I really want to talk about today because I feel like agents are are not niching down as much as they probably should in certain aspects and are being too general um, and and it's harder for them to grow and scale. Yeah, they're trying to be all things to all people essentially, right? And there's so many of them that are trying to do the exact same thing. And you know, going back to do I think my father being a really good example of that he focuses on very specific demographic of people which you know he felt at times had limited him as well but uh, has also made him very successful within within his specific niche and he focuses on you know newcomers to Canada from from specific countries that um, <clears throat> that usually have a a uh, very specific first language and so he walks them through not only the real estate side of things but also the the immigration process as a as a whole he's got his own youtube channel <clears throat> he's very successful there and uh a lot of people obviously just feel that sense of comfort when they finally do come here and just a sense of familiarity i suppose um so they you know they become the first uh, they use him to buy their first piece of real estate and then they become lifelong customers after that they buy you know investment properties and cottages and things like that and he he is always and has always been their go-to for that um, that's a wonderful example I think of, of a very specific uh, niche market so uh, and same thing with you know some of the other connections that I have within the industry and the insurance world or the you know um financial, uh, finance, like financial planning and things like that. They have a specific focus, you know, to your point, they focus on people going through a divorce or a separation. And that's something that a lot of people feel like they don't have enough resources on. And they're able to not only support them through that particular transaction, but also to connect them to other industry experts, such as, you know, psychiatrists and uh, whatever else is, is out there um, <clears throat> to be able to get them uh, on a more positive sort of a mindset, I think, um, through that experience. Yeah, even when it comes to referrals, right? Like we all know somebody that's, you know, about to go through a divorce, right? So you're not necessarily connecting like, oh, they, they're going to need a realtor, but, you know, you are connecting your head, hey, they're going to need to talk to somebody about the process, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think you can create a really strong network of professionals that you refer each other to, right? Um, because you, for example, as a realtor who specializes, uh, you know, on, for example, people going through a separation or a divorce, will also have lawyers that deal with uh, those kinds of things, not only on the real estate side, but also on the, the, the legal proceedings of a divorce, right? Uh, you might have other, um, again, professionals within that industry that are happy to help with, you know, um, whether it's you know, ch temporary childcare as people are moving from one place to the other, or, 
um, you know, family counseling or separate separation counseling, I suppose, um, and um, and and then refer that business back and forth as well. So, absolutely, I think, and your and your dad's uh, niche, I think, is a great example of that because it's not just about him helping find a somewhere for these people to live. It's oh, you're new, going to be new to the country. There's a whole bunch of other things that I can help you with to get settled here and connect you to different people. And, and then and then once he does that, like how easy is that for them to refer him to the next person that's that's trying to go through that process? Oh, you got to talk to Kate's dad because right. not only will he that's find what, you that's house, what he's known as in the industry, just Kate's dad. <laughs> is, um, he is, is that how he, he that's on his business card? Yeah, Kate's that's dad? that's what we go with. Yeah. Uh, no, but you're absolutely right. And and you know, to use that as a great example, when when people do end up moving here, not only does he connect them with amazing, you know, lawyers and mortgage brokers and financial analysts, it's also, you know, people that he's uh he's made connections with, for example, in, in the car industry, right? So somebody moves here, they have to buy a car, they have to buy right. furniture, they have to decorate their house. They there's so much. There's landscapers, there's general contractors. It's a huge sort of industry within the industry and he <clears throat> tries to keep it all within his <clears throat> his network right uh, and so it's a trusted cool. network of course so it's you know he's got his own like I said YouTube channel he's got his own Facebook page he's got he's he's pretty popular in the community so um so it's wonderful to see that uh, and people being able to connect with each other not on real estate specific topics but just to find connections within you know a particular city if they're looking for you know, a general, a plumber or a general contractor or somebody like that. Um, and it's, it, it, I think it's very rewarding for him to be able to do that for people within his community as well. So. Yeah, I'm sure whoever comes up, I got a guy. <laughs> right. Right. I got a guy. And it, it's amazing. Even in my, you know, full blown adulthood, I still go to my dad and say, Hey dad, do you have a guy? Cause I need a guy. I'm like, you know, there's a crack in my foundation. Something's leaking. Can, yeah. can you help me out? He's looking, he always has, he always has a guy. There's always a, here's a phone number. Call this person. You need your house painted. No problem. Call this person. Um, so it's, um, it, it's, it's quite fun. Um, and um, definitely keeps a lot of people in business. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, we have a girl and, uh, you know, she can really help take your business to the next level, help you grow, help you scale, help you put in the right pieces. And, uh, you know, I, I, I strongly encourage anybody that wants to build a team that wants to take their business to the next level, um, that is uh, thinking about growing, um, come, come talk to Kate, talk to me. Um, really happy to help you guys through uh, some of those decisions and, um, Kate, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for uh, spending and, and, and educating us and, and having uh, some great conversation about growth and about, uh, you know, putting the right people to really take your business to the next level. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been amazing. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate. It's, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. For sure. Hope to see you guys again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everybody. <laughs>